podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined by Pete Zayas. Pete, we are, well, we're recording this mere hours before the actual NBA season kicks off. Uh, I am running around like a chicken without my head. We had, what, roughly 50 messages about what time we were going to record today. The NBA season is upon us. <laughs> oh, I can't wait, man. It's been too long of a summer. Can't wait to get this new era of Lakers basketball started. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. Uh, so, of course, my two articles or one of the articles that I wrote today was about free agency in, in next summer. So we're t- <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be hard to break old habits of looking ahead <laughs> to next season and actually like being very invested. I mean, we were always invested in the games. Right. But yeah, so it, it, I was talking to somebody in the media room today about the scintillating 35 win season last year <laughs> and how those can no longer exist. So uh, it'll be fun to to get mad when they lose to teams they shouldn't lose to and be really excited when they beat upper echelon teams and, you know, fantasize about how good they could be. It's been a long time since we were able to do that. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to actually caring about the action and not just the transaction. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm really, I really am. Are, are you going to miss, sorry, I'm sidetracking <laughs> this already. Are you going to admit kind of the player development being the thing we care about the most? Well, what's funny is that we're actually going to talk about that on today's show, right? Because of the the whole starters conversation thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yes and no. Yes and yes, because like it was a process and it was something that we were legitimately invested in for a really long time. No, because it's such an intangible thing and uh, it, it's 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 such a it, it's so hard to measure that. Um, and it tends to take so long that that like that's not some that's not usually how the Lakers have done things. So it was it was a complete detour from how how it's been as a Laker fan for a really long time. How about you? I I think it's going to be I'm still going to enjoy the player development, but it's going to be in a different way. One of the things with last year's NBA playoffs, I was a little jealous of watching the young players for the Celtics and the 76ers mm-hmm. go through these high stakes type of experiences that they're almost certainly going to be better for in the long run. The Lakers had a good season and their, and their, their young guys did especially, but they didn't have moments like that this year there. They will. And there will be some moments where maybe they're on the bench when last year they would have been like, all right, you know, you're our future. You fight through this bad game or this low energy game that you're having and try and figure it out. They're not going to be as many chances given as many chances to figure it out. They're going to be on the bench more when that happens. And, and maybe that's for the best. Yeah, it's like I said, it's a give and take. I mean, the 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 give is, hey, we get to watch LeBron, <laughs> and then you know the take is, well, that might that might mean that we focus less on the kids, and and you know, and that's we're already kind of starting to see that come to fruition with the way it seems that the Lakers are going to handle their their starting lineup, and that's going to be the focus of today's podcast is what so far. Luke Walton and the coaching staff have had uh, Rajon Rondo and Contavious Caldwell Pope 
as the backcourt that has been working with the starters and Josh Hart and Lonzo Ball are the ones who are taking the minutes as as the the second string. And so the way we're going to break this down is we're going to talk about it from a positive standpoint, what that maybe adds to the starting lineup, why it, why it seems to make sense right now. Uh, and then we're going to get to, in the second segment, why we might disagree with it, what we would like to maybe see moving forward. And in the third part of it, we're going to kind of tie everything together. And, and I think it's important to kind of understand, and, and we've talked about this a few times on the show. I've written about it for Silver Screen and Roll. I'm sure you've tweeted about it as well. And, and we talked about it on the Sedano show is NBA locker rooms are in and of themselves political atmospheres that you have to navigate. And and so we're going to talk about that in the third segment. So I'll let you, Pete, make the case to me why I why you this seems to make sense right now. What are the pluses that you might see from starting Rajon Rondo and KCP? So I'm going to have to channel my inner lawyer a little bit here because this is not necessarily something that I believe, but uh, I'm going to make the argument for it. Mm-hmm. Rondo gets more out of JaVale than Lonzo does. Mm-hmm. Rondo's a fantastic pick and roll decision maker, and JaVale's f- fantastic at rolling to the rim on that. We saw great chemistry between the two of them in the preseason in a way that Lonzo will still have that with JaVale, but not to the extent that Rondo Rondo does. Also, by pairing Rondo, KCP, and even JaVale to some extent in this, you're pairing your guys who don't switch quite so much. So there is some continuity in you know, the defenses that your lineups play. Now, Luke's talking about integrating lineups more this year rather than having a distinct first unit and second unit type of style. So maybe that won't be as, as big of a factor. But defensively, they can the style that they're going to play, there's going to be no real question about that. There's going to be a lot of drop coverages. I also think that Rondo probably fits with Brandon a little bit better than Lonzo does um, because Rondo is really, and as is LeBron, executes half-court sets at a really high end. We saw a lot of those inbound plays. I had a video come out uh, today. It'll be yesterday when the listeners uh, listen to this about Brandon's preseason and a lot of those sets, you know, inbound play, Brandon comes off of a cross screen, gets a bucket at the rim, either coming from Rondo or LeBron or Rondo penetrates and Brandon cuts from the weak side, gets a dunk out of that. So I, I think he may be a slightly better fit there. I, we'll get into the concerns in the second part, but that's probably the best argument I can make. What about you? I think it comes down to Lonzo just didn't play enough in the preseason to to earn that spot. And yeah, and and the other thing too is not only did you know, and and I look, I am on the record of saying that I saw enough that I think Lonzo should be the starter right now, mm-hmm. but. What we think, and this is, we'll, we'll get more onto this later, but a young player has to make it like painfully obvious to everybody in the locker room mm. around him and the coaching staff around him. So, what we're watching, that doesn't really matter as much as does LeBron believe in what he saw? Does Luke believe in what he saw? Does Magic believe in what he saw? And and look, maybe maybe they did for the two games that they saw it, but they want to see more of it. And as that's the case, maybe they they want they feel more comfortable with Rondo to start the season. No, that's a great point. That it's a matter of trust, right? Yeah. Even though Le- LeBron has never played a real game with Rondo or or not yet, he knows who Rondo is and he trusts him in a way that he simply couldn't with a guy like Lonzo, who's missed mm-hmm. all of training camp, who's just coming into his second year and there's 
you know, you could say that about other positions with young guys, but there's no obvious, like Brandon Ingram is not backed up by some, you know, yeah. vet who's been the best player in a It'd conference Lance final series. And, and, and right, right. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Whereas it's a different dynamic with, with Lonzo and Rondo. So yeah, LeBron is going to try those guys. It also, it reminds me a little bit of, we've been making a lot of NFL analogies weirdly. Cause I don't watch much of the NFL anymore, but almost always when teams like draft a quarterback in the first round, they start with some crappy career backup, yeah, Josh McCown in week one. Right. Right. <laughs> and then like by week three or four, the young guy is the, and Rondo is not the NBA equivalent of a crappy backup. Right? <laughs> right. He's not that, that, but they almost inevitably end up landing on that young guy eventually, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, I think your point about him earning it and and all of that, he's going to have to earn it to a different level than a guy like Rondo who comes in having already earned it. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's how I'm talking myself off of the ledge because and we're going to get this. We're going to get to this in the second segment here. It's really obvious who should be the starting point guard and who should play more minutes. And so we're going to get to that here in a second. Uh, but first, I wanted to I wanted to talk to you guys about a new partner that we have, kind of a new partner, Pete, because you are obviously writing for the Athletic. Uh, I I'm really excited that we can finally you know etch this this actual partnership together. Uh, what the Athletic has been doing so far with what Pete has written, with what the Kamenetsky brothers have written, but Bill Oram, uh, you guys are doing tremendous work. So give give me a couple, like what are the things that you're writing on? What What's the most recent thing that you, the, that you wrote about there? Give me some of that. So I just submitted, I was up until 4.30 in the morning. I had a, th- a three bit of content day and, uh, and I submitted a piece on can the Lakers shoot? And it's a simple question, which I really dove into the shooting mechanics of of Ingram, of Lonzo. It's funny. I I have experienced a degree of self-loathing with writing that (laughs) (laughs) I have not experienced in video. I I, I mentioned it to Oram in the media room today. He was like, welcome. Like, you are one of us now, right? (laughs) Um, And I was like... I hate this piece. It's not good enough. It's not, and I've worked on it and I worked on it and I worked on it. And at like four 30 in the morning, I was like, this is good. I am proud of this piece of work. <laughs> so one of the things I really appreciate about the athletic is the space to be able to go to your editor and be like, yo man, this is not good enough to where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. I need a couple more days on this. And, and their attitude is like, yeah, we're here to produce unique content that's worth paying for. And they give you the space to do that as a content creator. Yeah, I, I I've I haven't seen much come out from the athletic period as a whole that I've kind of like thumbed my nose at. When it comes to the Lakers, everything that has come out has either been aggregatable, it's been interesting, it's been unique, uh, and and that's the kind of content that that is really going to continue to push the the coverage of the Lakers and sports coverage further. And so uh, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to send you to theathletic.com slash LockedOnLakers. The coats were 40% off. It's $2.99 a month, uh, and it's, con- it's case sensitive. So everything is in lowercase, theathletic.com slash LockedOnLakers, and, and go check out Pete's stuff. Go check out Bill Oram's stuff, the Kamenetsky brothers, whom I've looked up to in this industry. It just, it just Likewise, everybody. man. It, yeah, they, yeah. They, everybody working, uh, covering the Lakers for the Athletic has been incredible. So, so let's continue to let's, – let's support them. Let's uh, – let's, Mount up on the horses, hop onto the uh, hop onto the athletic.com slash locked on Lakers and get 40% off. We're going to take another quick second here. And when we come back, we're 
going to talk about why we think a change to the starting lineup probably makes sense down the road. So we gave reasons in the first segment why it might make sense right now or why this why the decision has been made as it's been made right now. Now in the second segment, I, I and we've talked about this quite a bit, so we that's why I gave it the second shorter segment. Um but if Lonzo earns the starting spot, I'll ask it this way, if he earns a starting spot, which way do you think he's going to do that? In terms of like how's, how's he going to convince? Like we we ended the last segment on like right, who, got how you, how far he's going to have to go to convince people. How do you think he's going to be able to do that? And do you think he'll get enough opportunity with LeBron to do that? I do think he's going to get a lot of opportunity. At the end of the day, if Lonzo is playing big minutes and closing most games, unless he's playing poorly, that's really like, all the if he, Yeah, if he comes <laughs> off of the bench, but he's playing 28, 30 minutes a game, like I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. We saw a little bit of a Rondo Lonzo combo in. In one game that I really liked what we saw during those minutes. And I'm sure Luke will explore that more. This could actually be a route. Sorry, I'm, I'm off yeah, track a little it. bit, but to getting your boy Lance fewer minutes in the rotation. If you've got Rondo and Lonzo in the backcourt backcourt, there's no reason Josh can't play the three. Yeah. And you've got a team that can run and shoot like hell. And I think you've got more of your better players getting minutes. I think that's a way to get Rondo if LeBron's if he's a guy that LeBron trusts, get Rondo the requisite minutes while still getting Alonzo the requisite mm-hmm. minutes. Like Lance is the logical guy to push out in the, those circumstances. Um, but Lonzo's going to earn that spot with defense and his ability to spot up shoot. Yeah, um, he is not going to be relied upon in half court situations to shot create if LeBron is on the court, at least not to the same extent. But he needs to be able to knock down open shots because that's not something that Rondo will do on a high volume basis. Like he'll knock him down if he's wide open, but like Lonzo will take open shots. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think he's made, and I, I detailed this in the athletic piece a bit. He's made some technical adjustments that make me pretty excited about what he can be as a shooter this season. Um, but it remains to be seen. And then just, man, like this team's got to be able to defend Anthony. Like if yeah. they can't play defense, you know, it's going to be 123 to 120 type of games. He's their best defender in my opinion. And he's a guy, that's the way that he can earn that spot in the starting lineup. Yeah. I mean, the case that I made when, when Matt and I were talking in, in the first two episodes of this past week, we were talking about how LeBron has played defense the last couple of years and, and why that put Cleveland in tough spots. And my, re, my rebuttal to it was well, the Lakers, are going to have better defenders surrounding LeBron. That's not necessarily the case if Rondo was getting more minutes than Lonzo, though. And that's where I get a little concerned. And, and that's where I would say I, I need Lonzo out there as much as possible so that LeBron's job is that much easier on defense in case he has to carry a heavier load on offense. Very much so. I also think the multitude of ball handlers will help LeBron be a better defender this year, too. But absolutely, it's something that Rondo is not a big dude in terms of no. like point of attack. He said it himself. He, he said right. the teams go at him because he's not very big. And that's that's going to matter on a team that that's new, especially there are going to be a lot of times where the front line, the front line, meaning the the guards, the point of attack 
um, not the front line in terms of a forward and center type sense where those guys are getting beaten. Guys have to rotate. And that's a bad thing. When it's a new group of guys, you're going to see a lot of, Oh, I thought, you had him. I thought you were rotating. No, I thought you were rotating type of situations early in the season. And, uh, to, to me, when you've got your best defender coming off of the bench, that that is partially self-inflicted. It reminds me a little bit of the Julius Nance stuff from last yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Julius and Kuzma even too, right? It was a similar kind of concern that, that I had there. Uh, my last point here before we move on to the final segment in which we kind of tie everything together and my it's a question to you and and i'll kind of start the conversation is is what does this do then for the bench and how the guys that are now going to be playing together down there how how is that going to look right with with lonzo and now it looks like hart's going to be there kuzma well it'll probably lance for a little bit uh kuzma and mcgee maybe some zubats if if they're going against a bigger team how do how do you like those lineups together? I'm as I'm saying, Lance and, and Beasley in the same thing. Like that's, it's all to me. It breaks down. It it, it just it gets down to combinations. There are yeah. combinations mm-hmm. that I want to see on the court, and there are combinations that I don't want to see on the court. And and what I'm a little concerned about here is is some of the combinations that starting Rondo might force the Lakers to go to as they try to get Lonzo minutes with the starters too. Yeah, I don't. With this year's team, I don't want to see a lot of all bench units, Mm -hmm. and that's different than the last couple of seasons where those units have been pretty good in stretches. I really like the trio of last year's picks with Lonzo, Hart, and Kuz together. I think those are three starting caliber or close to it type of guys right now mm-hmm. with bright futures in the league, but are, are good right now who are just simply more talented. They are better players than most of the second units they're going to go up against. I also think that Lance in particular can counteract that in terms of ball domination. Yep. If, uh, if things go awry and I, I'm not as down on Beasley as other people are. I think the offensive stuff's going to come around, but he's got a, be more, much more productive than, than other guys are. But if we can get like one starter out there with that trio of guys, Mm -hmm. even if Lance is, is on the court, like, I think you're going to have a really good second unit. What what are your thoughts on those guys? It it just comes down to look, if, if Lance is playing with those three guys, then Luke has to be crystal clear. And the minute that Lance starts dominating the ball with those three guys, Lance gets pulled out. And I don't even care if it's like you mentioned the starter that you would like to see play with them. I was thinking like, okay, which starter would I least like to see with those guys? It's probably KCP just because the other starters are are so good, right? Um, I'd rather see KCP out there or I'd rather see Rondo out there with Lance and and you just just move Lance on down the rotation. I I really – I'm – I'm trying not to make it an every episode thing where I point out how little sense he makes for this roster, but as little Lance as we can get, the better I think the Lakers are going to look on a, on a general basis. Um, yeah, I, I'm fighting the same thing, trying yeah. not to, but I've already <laughs> beaten that drum again in this pod, so sorry, everyone. No. <laughs> it's early. It's early. Maybe as the, the, the season goes along, it'll go without saying. All right, we're going to take one last second here, and when we come back, I, we need to get to some of the, the political aspects of, of what might be going on here. I wrote a little bit about that by the time you guys are listening to this two days ago, um, so I'll bring some of that up, and, and we'll see what, what we think about that. Today's show is brought to you in part by Blue Chew. It's everybody's favorite time of of the show and of the season. Blue Chew 
live reads are back. It's time to talk about sex. It's time to talk about good sex. Have you ever wondered for a better way to improve your your performance or, or confidence in bed? Well, listen up. BlueChew.com, that's like that's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, because, you know, that can be embarrassing sometimes. No waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when we use our special promo code LOCKEDON. That's right. You go to BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E, Chew.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and get your first shipment free. BlueChew is a cheaper, faster, better choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this show. So I guess we should start by outlining the situation. Right. I think we should. It, something to always keep in mind here is Luke is not a Magic Johnson hire. He is not a LeBron James hire. Uh, he is. He is a very much Jeannie Buss's hire and, and somebody that she is very happy to speak up in, in support of, but she's also going to go out of her way to give as much responsibility and as much accountability to Magic in the front office there, right? And you look at the guys who, who were brought in and are now in the starting lineup, Rajon Rondo, the, he said at, on media day that the Lakers have, were really trying to sign him two years ago, and they spent all of preseason talking about how great Rajon Rondo has looked. I don't think that's a, a an accident. Uh, KCP is a clutch guy, so he has the connection back to LeBron. Like these are all things that, again, when it when when it's us watching from the sidelines, it's easy for us to analyze things in a vacuum. But this stuff isn't taking place in a vacuum. No, and LeBron James comes with uh, baggage isn't the the right term for it, but he comes with contingencies, right? It's not just LeBron doesn't just show up and say, I'm signing here for three years and you do whatever you want, right? He has power that he's earned over the course of a a great career, and he's going to leverage it just as most superstars in the game have. Uh, You know, in the looking back on it in the should KCP or Josh Hart start discussions um, that clutch factor probably should have been weighed more heavily, at least on my end in terms of understanding how it was probably going to shake. Oh, I overlooked it too. I thought, I thought the clutch thing was taken care of once LeBron showed up, but he's going to be very heavily in, invested in KCP securing the bag in his next contract. And that's something that LeBron did with Tristan Thompson, I believe, or Iman Shumpert in, mm-hmm. in Cleveland, those guys. Um, Eric Pincus always mentions this, and I think it's worth repeating, that guys within the same agency, it's kind of this mini family. Like that's They are closer knit than you would expect them to be, mm-hmm. almost like guys who have graduated from the same college, right? Kentucky guys around the league will they have a special connection that they you know, don't have with others. It's similar with agencies. You do a lot together. A lot of your off-season work is together. So LeBron has historically looked out for his guys, and mm-hmm. he's determined that in a number of different ways. But KCP is a clutch client, and he's 
look to do that. And then it's not a coincidence. All JaVale, Lance, and Rondo were all signed within 24 to 36 hours tops of when LeBron announced. Those are LeBron's guys. LeBron brought each of those guys in. We can bitch and moan about Lance Stevenson all we want, but he's going to be given every opportunity to succeed as a result of that. And so this is what comes with it. And what it comes down to with the young guys that we've been invested in as much as we are is they have to take what's theirs. Mm -hmm. And you put it perfectly earlier, Anthony, when you're like, it can't just be a tie between Lonzo and Rondo like Lonzo yeah. has to beat Rajon Rondo it has to be obvious in order for him to do that and in the process of doing that maybe he maybe maybe Ingram maybe Kuz they become LeBron guys too yeah that's that's really look if if there are things that you as a fan are are hoping to see over the course of the season you'd better hope that LeBron is seeing those things too that's just how this is going to go down and and look it, it, as much as Somebody might stand up and say, well, Luke is the coach. He sh-, and, and they keep on saying how they're empowering the coach. And, and it's this and it's that and it's the other. That, again, isn't how the NBA necessarily no. works. <laughs> Who is harder to replace, Luke Walton or LeBron James? Man, it's right? tough. No. The answer to that question in life in general will tell you who has the power in a situation. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, it, it, look. We'll see how this evolves over the course of the season, and it's going to evolve. It's it's look. I don't think it's it's a wild prediction to go out there and say that I think Lonzo Ball is going to outperform uh, Rajon Rondo. That in and of itself is going to provide pressures that Luke is going to have to be able to to handle and and deal with and relay back to the back to the front office and and to LeBron and to Rajon Rondo and and that's always been the thing here with me is is when when people have asked me hey what's my number one concern what's the what's the at the top of your list of things that have to go right for the Lakers to succeed and it's always for me come down to can Luke convince the people who matter that the younger guys are better fits and more talented than their veteran counterparts. And, and you know, so far it's insanely early, right? It's insanely early in this entire process. The NBA season is six months long. So far, though, it, it's, it's not quite the case right now. And I don't think I, – I, that's not to say that it, I think it should have been the case. I don't think it was fair to believe that it would be the case. Do you think – like, do you, were, were you expecting Lonzo to start game one? I, I think the speed with which he came back from his injury made it a moot point, essentially. Yeah. I would have been very interested to see if Lonzo was back and fully ready to go on day one, if they still go with Rondo. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a question that we cannot answer. But uh, as time's gone on, I, I have thought that Rondo is more of their guy more now than I did, even injury aside than I did at the beginning of training camp. And I think that in the, even in this pod, we've spoken to the reasons why about there being that level of trust. And like, I, I don't know if we as Laker fans appreciate yet the leap that we made in terms of expectations. Like, like I said, 35 wins last year was a fun year developed. Like, LeBron is trying to win a championship this year. Yeah. He doesn't give a crap about expectations or whether that's realistic or not. Uh, That is something the, we have gone way past, Hey, let's make the playoffs to let's beat the warriors. Let's win a title. And 
there's a lot that comes with that. And I think a good starting place is trust. I think Lonzo, Ingram, Kuz, they can all earn that, but it's not going to start out that way. So in retrospect, I think Rondo probably was the guy a lot more than I expected him to be. Yeah. And, you know, I I don't think it's neither a good nor a bad thing. I just think it's a thing right now. And it's I mean, all that like Lonzo got to play, man. Like and it's yeah. not like a development thing or anything like that. He's so underrated. It It's one of those things I try to stay out of a lot of the arguments on Twitter about it and all of that. But like an NBA game is made up of individual battles that comprise a war, right? Every possession, every time they've got the ball, there's a little battle going on trying to keep them from scoring. Every time you got the ball, there's a battle going on where you're trying to score, right? And then the final score is just the accumulation of all of that. Mm -hmm. Lonzo helps you win individual possessions, and that accumulates into the larger battle. That's why he was number one on the entire team amongst rotation guys in net rating differential. They were way better when he was on the court than when he was off of the court. And in ways where, where other guys were not. And that's something like you don't have to have the rosiest outlook on Lonzo or anything like that. Like all his analytics, facts all of facts. the, on a, the facts are the facts on that. And just, he goes about it in a different way. So, Oh, he's not putting up 25 a night or anything like that. So he must not be good. He's a, a bad shooter. He can't finish around the rim. There are other ways to impact the basketball game. And he does that. So it's not a charity case with him, but do like all this, like, it's yeah, it's not even can, a development thing either. It's no, him no, literally no. being the better player right now. Right. <laughs> and, and so like we can take a, uh, you know, a, a patient view on this and all that, but Lonzo needs to play and needs to play a lot from day one. If they want to maximize the amount of wins that this team is going to get. Yeah, I completely agree with all that. I'm not going to get any better at, at, at saying it. So we're going to end this thing right here. Uh, we have one more full day before the Lakers take on the Portland trailblazers in Portland. Since I'm not going to talk to you between now and then, how do you feel like that game's going to go? Um, it's going to be an emotional day for them, right? With yeah. Paul Allen dying. Absolutely. Portland is a house of horrors for the Lakers. Yep. I, I think Portland wins that game against a team that's still trying to figure out their defense in the Lakers and all that. Um, I would love to be wrong, but uh, I think that it's probably foolish to pick the Lakers to win games in Portland if history is any guide. That's That's been the case for as long as I can. There are there are a few rules to being a Lakers fan. One, they can't guard small point guards, small quick point guards. That's been yes. the case my entire life. <laughs> they can't win. Yes. They can't win in Portland. There's a few other ones out there. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of how that's going to go. Uh, I can. I I also agree. My my only hope, my expectation here is that they don't get blown out. I, that's that's the thing. I just honestly, even if they get blown out, it's not like a basketball standpoint. Like oh, the the world is going to end if they do get blown. I just don't want to deal with Twitter that night. Like I sure. I just. Don't want to deal with like the, the trolling that's going to go on if that takes place you know that that triggered some just one one last thought yeah. on the whole lonzo versus rondo thing it will be easier to replace rondo with lonzo than it would be the other way around if things start out slow yes for the t- that's a so, good point that's a good that's point. worth all right that'll do it then for this episode of the lockdown lakers podcast today brought to you by mazuma and by Blue Chew and by our other partners. So let's continue to support them. Thank you, Pete, for hopping on. But next time I talk to you, we're going to have a basketball game to talk about. Oh, it's going to be great. I can't wait. (laughs) Have a great rest of your day, everybody.